You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey to you, Colorado. Good evening, Europe. What the hell are you doing up this late Australia and China? Welcome to the Serbian Corner. It is a show in which two Serbians talk about the Nuggets for an extensive period of time every week. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code DNVR when you sign up. My name is Miroslav Cuk. I came here with nothing smarter to do while waiting for the FIFA World Cup gold medal game. But luckily, I'm joined, as always, by Voya Medic, the best engineer among the Nuggets fans and the biggest Nuggets fan among good engineers. What's <laughs> like in Voya? It's good. I just finished the Soup Nazi episode of this of Seinfeld. I'm then on my first watch of Seinfeld, so it's been fun. NFL's in the background at one point. Third medal, third uh, third place, World Cup game. Congrats, Croatia, and all that. So it's it's a fun it's a fun morning. We did the Nuggets Serbia podcast earlier, so spoke about it. We spoke a little bit about the Nuggets in Serbian language, and let's let's go for let's go for for the American audiences now. I am so envious of you for for watching the Soup Nazi for the first time. It's it's like. <laughs> It's like losing your, I don't want to say it. Okay, it's not a problem. (laughs) So, title of today's show is Two and a Half Serbians, since we are joined by Jovan Buha, an NBA reporter, but more specifically a Lakers reporter for The Athletic. And to make things even more uncomfortable after last game, that game last night, he is a proof of how handsome can somebody be when he is part Serbian and part Puerto Rican. Sorry about that, everybody. Johan, <laughs> did you get the chance to catch some sleep after last night's game? A uh, little bit. I got like six hours. So, uh, yeah. It For wasn't, Friday wasn't night much, in L.A., but... that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you were at the, the arena? Yeah, I was at the arena, and then it was my one of my best friend's uh, birthdays. So I had to, I left a little early post-game, uh, went to go celebrate, and then came back and wrote until about like 3.30 in the morning here tell me did you did you get the chance to catch anybody from the nuggets part after the game you know for for some kind of uh, post game interview I, or not i i didn't the, the the way it is kind of this year is um it, it's a little it's a little harder to go kind of locker room to locker room because e- each team is kind of operating under different you know uh, on different timelines so it kind of depends when the coach speaks and um, you know, normally it would kind of be uh, the locker room would just kind of be open and you would go in and then, you know, if LeBron talks or AD talks, then everyone kind of goes there. But for the most part, everyone's kind of in the locker room. But now it's at least on, on the Lakers side, it's, you know, LeBron, you know, Darwin, LeBron, AD, Russ always talk at the podium. And then that kind of makes it hard to balance trying to go to the locker room and talk to the players there and also in the past going to the opposing locker room and, and talking to different players. So um, it, it last night was more Laker focus for me. I, I was there for Darvin and Russ. So what was the vibe among Lakers guys last night? Did, did they feel like they've beaten a good team or did they actually felt that they've beaten a historically bad defensive team, which the Nuggets also. <laughs> well, cause uh, yeah, cause I- ESPN, ESPN broadcast said it was the Lakers biggest, biggest win of the season, which was like, okay. I think it was Milwaukee, uh, but yeah, I, I would disagree with that. I would say it was the Milwaukee win. What was their biggest win, especially because that was on the road. 
Um, and now they've beaten the Nuggets twice now, but both were at home. Um, and I, I, I think that they were, it was, it was kind of bittersweet because they were happy about the win. And, you know, at this point they need every win they can get with, with kind of the hole that they're in right now in the West. But, but also, um, it, it was bittersweet because Anthony Davis suffered that right foot injury and, you know, with his track record, we're, we're still awaiting an update from the team. Uh, but you know, you, they're, they're going to be conservative with him. So I, I would not be surprised if he misses sometime, at least a few games, if, if not more. And for, again, a group that is trying to climb out of a, a 12 and 16 record right now. And, you know, on one hand, the West is, is very jumbled together and it, it's kind of easy to, to climb those standings. But on the other hand, because it's so jumbled together, that there's so much competition on a nightly basis. And it, it's kind of like that, you know, that there's no guarantees that, uh, you know, we, we thought teams like Sacramento and, and Utah wouldn't be that good. And, and all of a sudden those guys, you know, might earn playoff seeds, uh, you know, and then not even be in the playing tournament. So uh, the, the West right now is, is you know, as wild as ever. And uh, it, it's it's been a really fun season. Yeah, not to mention you can catch Houston on a, on a, on a hot night in like Phoenix yeah. and just lose to them like a couple of times in a week. They can get hot. So like, yeah, yeah it's it's the, the, the league. I mean, that's been one of the, the trends for, for me of this season is it's just – it's never felt this wide open. Like it's, it's really on a, like it, this is, um, you know, American football that that's kind of one of the appeals of it is just anybody can beat anybody on, on any given night. And, and you know, that there's kind of that parody for the most part uh, across the league and for the NBA, as we know, like the, the last, you know, several years, it, it kind of has been more top heavy where it's, you got your three to five, maybe six teams that are the true contenders that, that, you know, win 55 plus games. And I think this season it's like, the league leader might win like 54, 55 games. And, and I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like, you know, Boston's record at, at the end of the season, just because of how competitive it is on a nightly basis. Funniest thing about it is like San Antonio is probably the worst team in the league right now. They're trying to lose games, but then again, it's, it's Greg Popovich led team. So <laughs> it's never an easy game against them. I mean, even, even if they want to lose, they, they still have this culture of, of playing the right way. But, yeah, but knowing was, knowing yeah. that I was gonna say knowing them though the last time they really tanked they got Tim Duncan so yeah. yep yep see if they get Victor <laughs> Wembanyama it's it's so nuts I'm, and the parody thing is so I I was like last week I was mad at that Atlanta and Pelicans game for the Nuggets and I was just oh it's it's so it's not going well all that and then I just was like okay let me just go back and look through the league a little bit even that weekend you just had that week like. Houston just knock off a bunch of teams after Nuggets just handled Houston, and you have the Pelicans lose now. Then it's like the Celtics lost to Magic yesterday. Magic's on a five-game winning streak or something right now. It's really crazy. And again, even like a good team, you know, a great team as, as Celtics are, like they also are viable for a loss. And so it's just kind of fun to like talk about perspective for, especially for the Nuggets fans, because we, you know, you get caught up in one team and you can lose sight of like that. It's a, it, you know, it's a large large spectrum of games that some sometimes stuff happens like it like other teams have experienced right now too like jazz was a jazz beat twice like pelicans twice now which is again is like yeah they're... and I'll, I'll add like the lakers have been playing much better recently yeah. uh yeah. you know where, where you know we talked about the bucks win they had close overtime losses to philly and boston so um i know on paper it might not look like the the best loss uh you know losing to them but with the way they've been playing recently, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad loss. With you know, they, they've been pushing some really good teams, oh, yeah. um, you know, right now. So I, I think, I think the, the way Denver lost, obviously, I, I think would, would be disappointing for, yep. for Nuggets fans. And I, I think you know that was a game they should have won, and kind of looked that way in, in the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, where God, third quarter, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like we, we we didn't even get word at, at the time that AD was out. We just see Thomas Bryant starting the third quarter and then it's like where is uh where's ad and predictably denver comes out on that nine to two run they, they get a eight point lead lakers call timeout i think it stretches to 12, 12 uh, yeah. a couple minutes later and then all of a sudden lakers go on this monster run to to take over the game and then denver kind of makes their run at the beginning of the fourth and then lakers respond again with another monster run to kind of blow the game open it was just it, it seemed to me like Lakers have been a very momentum-based team where they, they have these just monster runs uh, against teams. But yeah. Denver, to me, kind of just something was off last night where, where they just weren't all there, I, I felt like, mentally. 
Yeah, the, as far as the Lakers, they got you know, so just to put it that in perspective for for Nuggets fans, it was like a tw- twenty to five run in the end of the third for the Lakers, I believe, and they've had a thirty two to five on the Celtics the other night. So as you said, like it's not uncommon. It's not the Nuggets just completely collapsed, but it was like both ways of. Uh, I was we watched that third quarter and it was these seeds of the the seeds of stuff that, that went wrong for the Nuggets were just piling on. Even when there was they were up by twelve, few of the buckets the Lakers had were Gordon forgets you know LeBron on on help side. He just turns his back on him. LeBron cuts dunks. Uh, you have you know missed layup like Murray, you know passes the ball off off someone's leg. It's a turnover, fast break. And then, like that, that momentum was going, you know, going all the way. And then that flagrant foul kind of was just, it almost just was defeating for the Nuggets, even though they were up seven. After that, it just started missing, missing layups, fast break. Ross comes in, energy, and then the first half was like was was one stat that kind of showed how you know the path to Lakers win against the Nuggets, especially was turnovers and points in the paint. Like in that second quarter, when Nuggets were controlling it. It, it it was zero turnovers for eight minutes of Nuggets play and zero uh, zero points in the paint for the Lakers. They had that zone you know mix and match with uh, Denver in there, and then they had four turnovers in the last thirty three minutes of the half. And it just that's where I think where the start, the the seeds were for losing the game were like that end of second quarter when when Lakers kind of was like okay this is how we can do this and that's how they've been doing it which is fast breaks and and really physical play and it was really and then also AD getting hurt for me was just seemed like caught the Nuggets off guard as well. Like they, they were like, okay, we got to deal with Thomas Bryant completely differently now. Now LeBron's on the five. Like what's happening there? Like they were just yeah, kind of weirdly off, off, off kilter. Like, that, that's actually my biggest takeaway from this game is Nikola Jokic turning Thomas Bryant into a prime Dwight Howard last night. <laughs> so European fans usually expect the yeah. basketball team not to be too reliant on a single player. But in the NBA, so much is revolving around your franchise, guys. I mean, it's crazy. I felt like he wasn't happy with the way the team was playing on offense. I've seen several possessions where he was annoyed by how much time Jamal Murray took to take him the ball to the top of the key. And even on one instance, I thought he, he was like, F this man and just gave the ball back to Jamal like with five seconds uh, before the end of the uh, of the mm-hmm. possession, with nothing really going on there, just, just like a high the, post up for Jamal. Against, yeah, yeah, so yeah, bad, yeah. Nice. That's right. That's right. And you know, it it was it was the opposite thing for a lot of uh, this game, where you get Jokic on the on the high post with like twelve seconds to work with. And I mean, he is really good at it. But still, let's let's make things. And the most. A difficult thing for me from last night is the fact that that twenty to five run happened with Nikola Jokic on the court. Yep. So if you get that, if you're the Nuggets, there's probably no hope for you of coming back, because I I didn't feel at all that Nuggets had a chance in that fourth quarter. That the game was really yeah, lost neither, in, yeah. in in the third quarter. Even though it shouldn't have. I mean, it was still very close. That third quarter was it didn't end on a ten point Lakers lead. It was still like yep. really single digits but it just didn't seem like it was gonna go that way it's just always it's it's i always like it's always that way in la somehow with the nuggets it really rarely is like the nuggets come in and take that game it's always just kind of there and then you know max christie like you know none and all you know last time was lonnie walker in the uh october game they just went off it's kind of these these guys always against the nuggets not in lakers just specifically it's just other teams to have all these like random players because just that's how Nuggets are structured. They're not; they don't have like I guess well defenders on the second unit to pair these like yeah. different guys. The the Lakers shot the ball really well. Uh, they they made twelve threes. Uh, think shot thirty six percent on threes, which is rare for them as as one of the worst <laughs> shooting teams in the league. So when I see Pat, you know Patrick Beverly had his season high last night of ten points, and, and <laughs> it was just kind of like when it, all when players, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But when it rains and pours, it felt like where it was just you know LA got hot and and they they really have been one of these teams that um, just these these wild swings in games where you know they, they could be down twenty and then all of a sudden they're up four and it doesn't really make sense but they, they've been you know consistently inconsistent all season. 
That's what we said last week about the Nuggets, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, that, I mean, they were 17 and 11, though. That, that that's not, still, yeah, exactly. We, we, we all, I think this is a little bit of over-exaggeration. Just the way you said how how some of these losses have happened is that what's worry, what worries us for a contender. If it was like yeah. five years ago for the Nuggets, this would have been a great season. If they're like 23, 24 and coming up in the West, this is supposed to be like the – they said, I mean, they said championship or bust. So if that's the case, this is not – how a championship or bus team looks like or response. I want to ask you about the Lakers though. Those runs and stuff like it's like do you, is there like a specific correlation? You got you follow it like a lot what happens during these runs that that Lakers do well? Is it specific lineups or style of play that they implement in those situations? Or is it just sometimes just clicks and they just go? I think it's it's defensive engagement, and, and you, you alluded to it. Where, um, like last night, they had eleven steals, and uh, I don't have, uh, but I think seven or eight of those were in the second half, and it, it just felt like a big part of the two runs was them really swarming and and rotating and uh, forcing turnovers, and then you know th- they are a dangerous transition team, uh, but you know what one of the the downsides of that is sometimes they're too focused on trying to get out in transition and. Uh, not you know crashing back and and uh, you know on on the defensive glass and that that's where you've seen already they're a small team so so teams are going to have advantages in the paint in, in that respect but you also see them sometimes just not boxing out and, and trying to get out in transition but uh, I thought last night um, it, you know sometimes you see this in the NBA where a, a star or a starter goes out and then that team almost plays better because that there's kind of a a focus that they have of like you know we have to especially with AD and He's been their best player this season. Uh, he, he's obviously their, their best defender and really their only rim protector, um, you know, on, on the team. And like, I think there was kind of a collective focus of, okay, AD's out. We have to rally and everyone has to do more. And I, I think you saw that definitely offensively where, you know, they, they shared the ball, they moved the ball well, shot the ball well. Um, but, but defensively, I, I think, because I was surprised, like, you know, Lakers threw some zone at the Nuggets, which the, the Nuggets picked apart in the first oh half. Oh my god, that was um, uh, it was second, hilarious. It was, it was it was yeah, that was the first half. Jokic had that in the middle, right? Like he dumped it off to Gordon, but it was yeah, like it, it was just it seemed he like it took like, like forever. He was kind of like, yeah. "Oh, let's see where we're going to go." That's like I the mean, worst yeah, he, he was just picking them apart. Yeah. And um but but then in, in the second half they, they went to like that LeBron at center lineup and that's something that they've used they used last season uh and it just it kind of throws teams off where um you know LeBron Still, when he's engaged defensively, can be a, a good productive defender. And then offensively, it's just so difficult when you have a center trying to match up with, with LeBron, or you put a center on a guard, and now Lakers might put that guy in the corner, and now your center is away from the paint. Austin and, Reeves, and I think, yeah, yeah and, and I, I think you you saw that. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, I, I also think Michael Porter Jr. W- w- was a big law, you know, absence for, for Denver, I think in this matchup uh, against the Lakers, he's a guy that the Lakers don't really have a matchup for. Um, so, you know, if, if he's coming in, getting hot, you know, 20 points, a few offensive rebounds, some backdoor cuts and stuff like he's a guy who I think can, can really, you know, hurt the Lakers in this given matchup. Cause the one thing that hurts the Lakers is, is size and athleticism. They, they just don't have the, the type of players to match up with those guys. And I, I think, you know, MPJ obviously is is probably you know him and Aaron Gordon kind of fit that bill for for guys that I think can give the Lakers some trouble. So uh, I think you know Denver was, was clearly missing that last night. Uh, but yeah, I mean their, their second half, like it, it was just like the body language and, and some of the mental errors and like um, it, it felt like they weren't you know, they were missing layups and just stupid turnovers and it, it just it, it felt like you know the, the, and as you guys were kind of talking about, like it just felt like they, they weren't there and, and something was kind of off with, with just, I don't know if they, they expected the Lakers to roll over and, and then, you know, kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit or, or what, but uh, I was surprised because it felt like in that early third, they were about to take over and it was just, okay, mm-hmm. Denver's going to win this game. Yeah. Like it, it makes sense. And then all of a sudden the Lakers just kind of lit a, a, a match and just, you know, got after it. Yeah, it was the, the the discipline. I mean, you talked, you touched upon the zone. On the other end, when they when they when Lakers went small with LeBron, which was weird. Like, why? You know, again, like I'm not following follow Lakers as as closely to know like the numbers of Lakers against the zones and stuff. But first half looked like the Denver zone really worked well, especially in that second quarter. They kind of limited the the shooting. 
with it and you know lakers with bad you know bad shooting generally uh and then the paint was also occupied all the time and so the the layups weren't coming as you know as clearly as they would in transition and then when lebron goes on five for some reason they stayed on man and you know you said they put Jokic on a guard which was austin reeves and i was like he's not the guy you want to put Jokic on especially because he knows what to do in those situations like he punished some of the you know some of the slower closeouts and then shots from the corner that's why I don't. That's why I said like they were so discombobulated in that third quarter. They were playing when they were playing zone, ended up being that Jeff Green was in the middle, and so end up so when the, when the ball got to Thomas Bryant in the middle of the zone, he just turned around and bodied Jeff Green and made a layup. The offensive rebounds were just all over the place. Like Denver was, you could see three guys around Thomas Bryant, but no one's like they weren't gang boxing out like they made you know because Jokic was out there in the perimeter. Kind of similar what happens to Utah in you know, last few years in playoffs. With Gobert just outside, it's just they're liable for offense rebounding. So that was, but it was all lack of discipline again, forgetting guys like they they, they want to put on you know they want to stay in on zone. Bones is just too deep on the initial set, and then Jokic is yelling him like go you know go on LeBron, and then he goes on LeBron. LeBron passes over in the corner, shorter or someone like hits a three because they didn't you know they didn't were in position. And, but they're like that's initial setup of the defense, not even like late on closeouts or someone did a really good move on offense. It was just basic stuff at the beginning. So that was, again, that's why it was so frustrating. Otherwise, it doesn't, like, who, who, no matter if it was Lakers or if it was Houston, no matter who it would have been on the other side, it was just the way that they lost it. It was just, this, you know, disheartening in that way, just the fundamental and organizational basketball that was lacking in that third. I, I like the points you've made about the, the roster construction, about Lakers being... Uh, uh, having problems with with big wings on the on the opposition side, and also uh, I want to speak a bit about how they've constructed their rosters, both Lakers and Nuggets, for this season. But before we do that, Voya, it's time for us, our friends yeah. from DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's let's do this. So it's time of year; everyone's excited about the gifts, the holiday spirit. But what about all the basketball? Uh, when I throw down on the NBA action, it's got to be with DraftKings Sportsbook, official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So use code DMVR at signup to get $150 for free in bets if you bet $5 on a pregame money line. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings. Same game parlays. Uh, the, these are called, and so as I said last week, and I say it every time, the app is really great for, for you know, as an interface app, really user friendly, and we can, you know, we you can look up all the, all the basically that day's games, all the money lines, over unders, and it's really cool. And we don't have Charlotte's numbers for tomorrow, or we're kind of talking about like especially how the Nuggets are trending down with defense. You might want to check out Kelly Uber's numbers, uh, some of the total numbers for the game. Charlotte can get hot really quick, especially everyone's back now. And then also on the other end, there's Jokic and uh, on, on who's going to guard Jokic is Plumley and Nick Richard. So you want to want to look at his rebounds and also some points on there as well. Look um, at the total yeah. points for both both teams. Oh, if it's yeah. set like at Two thirty point five or something like that. And just go over. I mean, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should yeah, go over. Very possibly. So, and also Maryland sports fans, listen up. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state as well. I'm in Nebraska, so I can't bet, but I'm waiting for DraftKings to to hit here. But Maryland uh, Maryland people can do that right now. Download the app now to get on the holiday hoops action. Sign up with the code DMVR. Place a five dollar bet pregame money line on NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DMVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see show notes or podcast notes in the in the podcast platform for details. Okay, we are back. So, before we jump into into the the roster construction of the two teams, we have witnessed on Wednesday a historic, like 1983-esque performance from the Nuggets <laughs> against the, the Wizards when they've scored 141 points on only four made threes because they've made 98 paint points. 
Now, considering the Nuggets scored those 12 points off of threes and another 29 from the three-point line, we realized that Nuggets were able to make only one two-pointer from outside of the paint, which is a remarkable defensive job from the Wizards. They've really taken away that mid-rangers from the Nuggets, didn't they? <laughs> now, why I'm bringing this up? Jovan, tell us, did Rob Pelinka construct this season's Lakers roster with intention of playing like Nuggets against Washington, so he thought he doesn't need any three-point shooters on the team this season? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think um, I, I think that the Lakers tried to do the the best. I mean, they, they had limited resources. They only had the, the taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, at the time, I, I was very critical. I thought Lonnie Walker was a bad signing. Uh, I wrote that I thought he was the worst taxpayer mid-level signing uh, of any team. Uh, but I think he's been a steal with, with the way he's been their third leading scorer this season. Um, has really played at a more consistent level than we saw in San Antonio, and I think has been more engaged defensively. You know, that was you know my, my two biggest criticisms were his shot selection in San Antonio and his defensive effort in San Antonio, and he's he's really improved in both categories in LA. Um, but but to your point, I, I mean shooting is a, is a big issue for this group, and um, I think they were anticipating making a Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, I think that's looking less likely right now, uh, but, th but that was part of bringing in Pat and, and Dennis was, you know, if we do trade Russ, we're probably not getting a point guard back. We're, we're looking to upgrade the front court, you know, maybe, maybe get a bigger wing. Uh, so now we have Pat and Dennis, two guys who have been NBA starters, um, you know, obviously have not played to that level this season. And I, I think that that's, you know, in a way like Russ has grown in importance for the Lakers because, you know, Pat and Dennis haven't played that well. And, you know, they, they played well last night, but that, that's not been a, a common occurrence. And I think the Lakers kind of look at it like if, if we trade Russ right now, that point guard spot is a pretty big hole where we have two guys who like might not even be rotation players for a, a lot of playoff teams right now. So um, I think that they're, they're balancing that, but the, the shooting is, is a big problem. I think it is the biggest, but but I think that the size almost is is as much of a problem because it's like, if you're going to be small, you need to be, you know, you, you tend to see that those smaller lineups are really good at shooting and, and, and you know, you yeah. space teams out and then you, you, you beat them off the dribble and it's just a bunch of driving kick, you know, dribble drive, creating threes. The Lakers do that, but they don't make the threes for the most part. And, um, you know, so I think really the, the, the two biggest criticisms of the roster, in my opinion, are, are the lack of three point shooting and the lack of size, particularly on the perimeter. And, as they look to likely upgrade uh, moving Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn with a first round pick uh, or, or a couple seconds, they need to address that with either getting a lights out shooter and or some more size in, in the rotation. So I, I think that's what they're going to be looking to upgrade. But uh, I agree. I mean, in the modern, uh, I, I've written this a couple times, like in the modern NBA, you look at the last 10 champions, um, all 10 of them, or I mean, eight of the ten were were top ten in three point shooting in the regular season. The two exceptions were the 2014 Spurs, who became the best three point shooting team in, in that postseason and had that crazy run, and then the 2020 Lakers. But they were great defensively and, and yeah, had no. two top five players in, in LeBron and AD at the time. So like that, those two are the exceptions. But everyone else, you know, Miami Heat, Dallas, uh, you know, Golden State. Cleveland, like all those teams were, were top 10 three-point shooting teams. And it's just, it's hard to win in the modern NBA if you can't shoot threes and, and you know, have a shootout with someone. So that's something the Lakers, you know, for that reason alone, I, I feel like that, you know, they're, they're not a true contender, obviously, aside from even their record. But the, I mean, to, for them to have any chance, uh, even a puncher's chance in the playoffs, like they got to upgrade the shooting. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the, the size of the Lakers because when we were going into this season, we were very happy with Nugget size because we've had Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. at the at the forward positions, and both of those guys are practically mismatches for most of the teams because they are pretty pretty huge. And now that Michael Porter has missed like what 11, 12 games in a row, now we have Bruce Brown, who is a really good player, but he is super small. He is like six four. Forward, yeah. Yeah, for a small forward. So so we are kind of getting into the similar kind of problems 
like like maybe not as as hard as uh, as the one with Lakers. Obviously, Nuggets has a, have a better record even with Michael Porter missing uh, uh, from the team. But what is also interesting about the Nuggets is that uh, Calvin Booth, the, the GM of the Nuggets, really gave his best to bring enough defenders to the team to to improve on defense. And the Nuggets are right now like 27, 28 team in the league in defense. And you mentioned like like for the last 10 seasons, three-point shooting for the championship. D- defense is a pretty big yeah. thing defense as well. Like, like like in the last 20-something seasons, there was like only one one team that wasn't a top five defense. And that was also the Lakers from, with Kobe and Shaq, I think, in 2010. I don't know two or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, like the second, second of like the back to back, like the yeah, second yeah. title. I think they said. So how does how does the, the the Nuggets defense look to you? I mean, I know it didn't look great last night, but do you have any idea what could be the reason for a team with with uh, so many uh, supposedly really good defensive players really really struggling, like like uh, in epic ways this season? Yeah, well, I really like the the KCP and Bruce Brown pickups. Uh, I, I thought Denver had one of the better off seasons of of any West team. Um, the 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 only move I wasn't a big fan of was uh, the DeAndre Jordan <laughs> signing, <laughs> especially after seeing how bad he was in LA and Philly. Uh, and, and and then he was the first signing of free agency. No, that was I, so bad. Um, like he, even you know. Dwight Howard, I think, was much you know was much better than DeAndre was, and I know he comes with, uh, you know, some some locker room stuff, I guess, but that, that, that has kind of scared some teams off. But uh, you know, if they wanted a veteran center to, to back, uh, you know, Nikola, like Dwight was, was right there. Uh, you know, obviously other guys too, but um, th- that's the one thing. But I, I think in their best, I guess it, it, it depends on their in their best lineups because. I, I think, you know, theoretically, the best lineup, you know, closing lineup in a playoff series, it's going to have Nikola, Jamal, and um, uh, MPJ. But then it's like, wh- what are those two final spots? It's, K- uh, you know, KCP, and is it is it Bruce Brown? Is it Aaron Gordon? Like, I, I don't know. But I, I think, you know, MPJ has is, is kind of been an cons- inconsistent guy who um, has the length and athleticism and, and size, but, like, you know, I, I know isn't, uh, necessarily again the most consistent or like high IQ defender and then I, I think Jamal has kind of been up and down defensively so I think it, it's hard you you look at the the best closing lineups and and you know kind of like the the Warriors and that you know like just go back to the last finals Boston and Golden State like they didn't really have any defensive weaknesses and yep. uh, you know even Steph I think has become and at least a, a league average, if not slightly above league average defender, uh, you know, he's bulked up a little bit. He, he's got some good size and length at the point guard spot. So like, I, I think it's, it's more so that, um, and then I do think, you know, s- some of the bench guys like, like bones isn't, you know, great defensively. And um, yeah. I, I think De- Deandre, Deandre is big, but I, I don't, you know, I, I think he, he's kind of one of those guys that's like going to contest, but guys can score on him. So, I, I think for them, it's still two of their three best players aren't great defenders, and, and that's kind of a difficult recipe for, uh, I think, like long-term postseason success. Uh, but I think if, if MPJ can figure it out, and, and, and you know, I, I think I think their team scheme is is fine, and and you know, again, last night did not look good, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think. For them, like the, the the theory is probably just their offense can be so good, it can be the best in the league. That uh, maybe that you know, if you have the best offense or top two or three offense and top 10, 12 defense, like th- that's still the recipe for a, a deep playoff run. We know how good Nikola is in you know the, the postseason, and um, I think he's special enough to to carry them basically in any series. So th- they always have a chance, at least because of how great he is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Were, were you more encouraged by the Nuggets' defense, or did you, did they even drop even lower in your eyes? Well, drop dro- the... drop lower because I feel like they're one of those teams where, um, you know, like I, I think 
it's kind of like with Russ, like uh, I'm going to make a weird kind of analogy here, but like with Russ, his misses and his turnovers, like, like there are guys who we consider really good who, who shoot a similar field goal percentage or, or, or turn the ball over a similar amount. But with Russ, it's like he misses a shot. It's like, you know, he, he's clanging it off the backboard and, and he, he turns the ball over and he's like throwing it into the third row. And it's just like, the magnitude of his misses and his turnovers are and louder. Times he misses and too, it, yeah. it just, yeah, it kind of sticks in your head more. And with Denver defensively, I think when, when they're not defending well, it's just a layup line mm-hmm. and, and, or, you know, offensive rebounds, putbacks and stuff. So like, I think it, it kind of looks worse that, than maybe some other teams because when, when they're not locked in defensively, you know, it, it just kind of all breaks down and, and it becomes really easy to score on them. Whereas some other teams, it might be like you know they're giving up threes or like they're late on contests, but they're still contesting, and teams are hitting tough shots against them. But like with Denver, I feel like when it breaks down, it really breaks down, and it looks pretty bad as it did yep. last night a couple times. So I think for for them overall, it's it's maybe not as bad as as some of the numbers look, but I think when it is bad, it, it is a real problem for them. Well, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, that's why that's why Marcus we've progress. had. That's why we've had like those basically blowout losses when there are when there are losses, and because apparently in the not a lot of minutes so far in the clutch because that's either Denver wins and wins comfortably or they get blown out, which is uncharacteristic for traditionally Nuggets teams. Is in the clutch apparently they're like 14th on defense or something like that, like 85 defensive rating, and that's that's what's annoying. Is that's what you said, Johan, with with the scheme? Is like we don't even know yet if the scheme completely doesn't work for this team because it's again a third third year in a row someone else is in charge of defense um or, or at least like third in four years or you know it was west on then it, then it's jordy and now it's uh, now it's ryan saunders and it's we don't even know yet if it, if it is because again I've, i was talking about yesterday especially it's the breakdowns but are just there, the roster has individual defenders. Jokic knows where to be in which spots, but is he's not supposed to be our Draymond Green on defense. He's supposed to be in good spots, and everyone else around him is good. Basically, like Steph, just a reverse, like instead of a point guard, a center. And yesterday, you would see again guys like forgetting where to be and not focused, or just like we're gonna let this guy pass us, and then becomes a layup line. And then you have Jokic. For example, one play was I know there was. They miss. It was a bad miss. Westbrook gets the ball. You know, start, he does his thing, starts pushing. Bones is on him, but Bones is kind of like a puppy, like just running around his legs, like nothing really to be in front of him. And then you have Jokic on the back line with already three fouls and like 15 minutes left in the game. And so it's like, what am I going to do? Like meet Westbrook at the rim and like try to block him? He's he's going to get a foul. Like there's you know whoever it was, there's going to you know it's going to have to be like five guys in the league that you would have to be like. Oh, you can block Westbrook on a full-on fast break. And so it ends up being a layup next to Jokic, and you clip that out, and, and then you go on Twitter and like, ah, he's trash. He doesn't know how to play defense. When in turn, it's just it's more complex than just, oh, Jokic can defend the rim. But again, he's been also slower on, on some covers this year as well. And just that's why it's all over the place. So it's not even – I can't even say, oh, fire this coach or this, this scheme should be better. It's just for now, they're not even – playing well within the same scheme you know they're not like if i can see them like a being their spots they're reading the right you know right spots where they be or the right rotations and then they're getting beat then you can say okay let's let's switch this up a bit but now it's just they're they're just flying around like you know the one point it was gordon doubled from the baseline when he left like schroeder was just running around and then i being like a triple on lebron for no reason on a high, like way high post up, and then he just swings the ball back, gets to the corner as a you know easy easy three pointer, and that was all when Denver was leading. It was still there was still that's what the plays that were climbing back from the you know from the game the Nuggets technically controlled before that. So that's why I just that, it's so annoying. That's what's annoying to me, just that readiness. Especially as I mentioned before a few times here, I'm watching Red Star now in Euroleague a lot more, and I'm like, oh my god, like give me that discipline for the NBA team. Like it just Complete, like you know, sky and you know, sky and earth difference. It's and, it's a great analogy because if we would see this kind of defense in Europe, we would be sure that the coach doesn't have any 
any influence on the team. It would be just like these guys hate him, so they, they don't want to play defense for him. This is the NBA. It's it's much more complex or much more simple. It depends on how you look at things because you know we have these multi-million dollar guys in, in the locker room, and you know they cannot be as controlled as they can be in Europe, I guess. So I don't want to give any any big uh, big uh, proclamations about what yeah. is happening in the Nuggets locker room because we have no idea. We don't know. Yeah, it's, we don't know. <laughs> the NBA has has like like the value of the regular season is so low right now with the nba that you really cannot read too much into it i mean un- until you get like after like 50 games or something like that when you can see the teams that are actually going to compete for the for the playoffs because the lakers for instance they still have the time i mean if they would uh, make it a, a good run and they could i mean they cannot compete for top 4 seeds for sure but they could squeeze into the plane and even maybe in the sixth spot or something like that. And there's still hope for them because the season is so fucking long. But <laughs> but before before that, I, I just have no proclamations about the Nuggets locker room. And I really hope, I really hope there's still time for <laughs> so them. Comment, to, so comment, someone, someone needs to call a meeting. I was like, yeah, we need an old-fashioned play, players-only uh, meeting. Players-only one thing i mean and and to to the point you just made about the regular season like i think for denver at this point you know obviously you know seating is going to matter because seating always matters but i think for them it's about you know building things up and and, and staying healthy for the postseason because to me this is a team that it's kind of like you know conference finals or or bust right like you know this is a group that um i think the the west like there's no golden state right now uh, or uh, you know, e- even you know, Phoenix, Phoenix from, from, from the last year. couple of years. Like, there's no real dominant, you know, West team, and I think you know, New Orleans and, and Memphis are are good teams, but I, I think Denver could beat both of those teams in a playoff series. I, I wouldn't, you know, say they'd be like a heavy underdog. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for for Denver, this is as great of a chance as I think they've had. You know, uh, assuming they stay healthy. So. I think for them, like, th- there's also probably some of that where they- they've already made a conference finals. Um, you know, J- Jamal and-, and MPJ have dealt with, you know, injuries over the last couple of years. And it's just like, let- let's get to the postseason. Let- let's stay healthy. Let's, you know, build up to that. And-, and then in a seven game series, like, we can really lock in. And I think they are one of those teams that, like, has played better in, in the playoffs. E- even with being undermanned, obviously, and and mm-hmm. you know not having some of their their best players, so uh, for for them, I think it's tough to judge them. In my opinion, I know that's why it's hard in the regular season <laughs> until you see them what when the games truly matter, and it's like okay, because um, you know to me they're they're right there with like I would not be shocked if they they win the West. Like I think they should definitely be in that mix. Yeah. On that note, we will take a short break and come back in the third segment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. So, Jovan, I don't know if you if you realize this, but this is already the eighth season of Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone on the Nuggets, which is a pretty long stretch for any head coach to be to be on a on an NBA team. I think he's like top three right now for the longest tenure uh, in a team. And I've always known that this season would be super stressful for the Nuggets fans. It's because of you know great expectations. 
I really miss those innocent years of building a playoff team, like <laughs> season two, three, four, five. This is why I want to ask you, Owen, since you have a good insight into the Lakers fan base, how stressful is it for the fans when the team is objectively bad, but everybody expects them to become miraculously better and content for the for the championship again? Well, I, I think it's it, it's 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 tough to box Laker fans in because the, there's so many of them and, and there's so many different types where, you know, I, I think there's kind of a, a Laker fan stereotype of, you know, arrogant and they want every star and, you know, they're entitled and this and that. But like, there are a lot of doom and gloom Laker fans who, who, you know, almost to the point where like, I almost feel like they like the, the kind of drama and, you know, the, the soap opera of the team. It's, it's always, you know, even last night, like they, they can't have like a normal game. There's always something that has to happen, uh, you know, an injury or, uh, you know, an ejection or, or whatever. Like there, there's always something going on with, with, with this team. Uh, but I think that it, it's the, the lights are definitely brighter. And I think you see like some role players come in and play better and some role players come in and play worse because, you know, you have hundreds of people, thousands of people in your comments, uh, you know, when you're not playing well. And I think, you know, like if you look at anything Patrick Beverly has been posting, all the replies are, you know, how bad he, he's playing. And just the Lakers have such a big fan base that, you know, every every NBA player deals with that to some extent. But just, yeah. you know, with the Lakers, it's times five, times ten, right? Probably and, more merciless have, too because of the Yeah, and because they're like for, for Laker fans – I think, I think the one thing that's tough is uh, most organizations, you know, there's that incremental progress of, okay, you know, make the playoffs. Okay, now, you know, win the division. Okay, you know, make a conference semifinals, conference finals. Okay, make the finals. Okay, win a championship. For the Lakers, every season, it's it's championship or bust. Like, they are, you know, the and, and obviously <laughs> recently it's been a lot of busts um, and the, the fan base has been frustrated. But for them, it's like if, if – we're not winning the championship. Like it's a failure. And, and it, so it's very, for, for a lot of or, fan bases and organizations, I think you can have that progress and you could be building towards something and, and it can be fun and, and enjoyable. And you, you, you're, you know, sometimes the journey is just as fun as the destination for the oh, Lakers yeah. and Laker fans. It's only the destination. It's only, you know, we're competing with Boston and, you know, we, now golden state's been winning a lot and we got to, you know, help LeBron get more rings than, than Steph. And like, uh, it's just very kind of on, on you either win or you don't win. And I, I think a lot of fans are like that kind of, to some extent where, you know, a, a lot of, if you don't win the championship, you know, you're, you're kind of disappointed, but for the Lakers, I think it's a little bit more, that's kind of all they care about. And um, I, I think it, it, it can sometimes lead to an unhealthy kind of dynamic on, on social on social media where it's like, yeah. you know, players are getting, called out and, and attacked and whatnot but it's also like you know they made they made the final i mean if you look at nba history they've made the finals almost every other year i, I think you know before this kind of recent uh stretch where where they were struggling so much like i think up until like 2010 they had been almost basically every other year in in history like the lakers were in the finals so it's like that kind of like that's why the fan base is the way they are and they, they expect championships they expect to make the finals so i think they've been really frustrated with um yeah. kind of the, the way the season has been going well especially because they have that's what you said they're used to it and on that level it's it's spoiled but like not like oh they're bratty but it's just spoiled because okay we're used to winning like why are you not winning again and then we when other fan bases are like okay we know how kind of we're you know we're used to 10 years of bad and then we now we got a few draft picks and we can make the playoffs and then we can go through it and try to get and then the conference finals is a big success. So it's like that weird, like, you know, discrepancy of like, because we've been in every other, basically every other finals for the last like 30 years. Why, why are we not always? And, and it's just, again, that that's what can, I guess that's what they can do to fan base. And I, and I, I agree with you with the Twitter and the social media is it's always the vocal minority there. There's no way there's you know, every fan goes in and like, you know, bitches at, at Patrick Bevel, Beverly like in his comments that every Laker fan does that. It's just the ones we hear and see are, are like more more vocal, I guess. 
to to be fair to Lakers fans, I mean, we know no, they let's have not be that. Fair. Let's not be fair. <laughs> they have that unfair advantage of a prestigious franchise in a city that offers a, a lot to the rich NBA players. So a great player like LeBron just falls in their lap for nothing. But it's not a thing that's unheard of in Europe because you have yeah, those yeah. Real Madrid's, Barcelona's, Manchester City's, Paris Saint-Germain's. And frankly, Red Star and Partizan, if you level up to the... To, to, if you, you know, scale down to the level of Serbia, those teams will also get the best players uh, that are available locally. So this is why I'm going to make a promise and not make any Lakers jokes while podcasting for a full week. For and full this week. starts after this show is over, of course, because I might... Next week, I might... next week it's good. <laughs> yeah, for next week's show, it should be good. I got I to ask, you and I got to ask you, this was the other day, it was uh, who was who some, some big Laker account posted that there was interest in Lakers and like Dame Lillard, and they listed off a bunch of like top names for trading those, for those guys. And everyone, basically all the jokes were like, well, I have interest in like Sydney Sweeney and I have interest. I said I have interest to go into space. It was just kind of funny. Like, what what do you what are your like what do you think when you see some of those posts? Like, oh yeah, Damon Lillard, we have interest in trading for him. And like, who doesn't? Uh yeah, I mean, I, I, I reported um I reported that they, they have interest in in Durant and Lillard and Beal, but I think that that's more of it, it's it's very situational where I think those I said like pie in the sky, which is just, you know, very minimal chance. But I think with the Lakers, like they are the one franchise well, they that can do it. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if one if one franchise can can kind of pull us, then like, you know, we, we've seen it where, uh, you know, they it, I mean, they had the whole 80s run and then it's like they're down for a few years. Then they get Shaq and then Kobe becomes a star and then they're down for a few years. Then they get Powell and they, they win some championships and they're down for a few years. They get LeBron and AD, and like this has just kind of been the history of this team, where like um, they are the glamour franchise. Oh, so of the is league that like and, a for? I mean, for the next off season or well, during well, the season? Yeah, I think it would probably be more more next off season. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was like in the middle of this, like now, like okay, let's like, go with Beal. Get... With Beal, technically, um, well, yeah, with you know, him, he, he has a no trade clause, so he can you know kind cruise, of approve yeah. like like depending on the like it would have to be Washington's pulling the plug. We're rebuilding, you know. They can be so really Russ, close to, yeah. Russ and two picks uh, makes the money work. You know, Lakers maybe throw in a young, another young player or two. And like, but also, I mean, once you open up the bidding war, like then, you know, other yeah. teams can offer more, but Bradley has to sign off on going there. So it would have to be, you know, a situation that he's interested in. Uh, you know, uh, of course, as well as them offering something that yeah, Washington yeah. deems fair. With Portland, because I think the, the thing with Portland and, and Washington is like those two contracts are huge. Yeah. Like, you know, th- those are the two biggest contracts uh, in, in league history. So it's like, you know, the, like, um, I don't know if you guys heard, listened to the last Low Post podcast, but they were kind of talking about this where like uh, Zach was saying he talked to like 20 different people about Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard's contracts. And he almost got like 20 different perspectives on it of like, yeah. you know, it's it's a bad contract. It's a good contract. It's valuable. It's not valuable. Like so, it really depends on how you look at it. But if if things go south in either situation, and they all of a sudden are like, we don't want to commit to fifty plus million annually for the next five years. Jeez. Like I, I think the Lakers would step in and be like, we'll we'll take that. And, and Russ is like the one of the few contracts that can match that. Um, with, with KD, I, I think it's that that would obviously be again Brooklyn going south. Uh, but I, I think more realistic would be them trying to get a star next offseason. Okay, They'll that's, have their, yeah, that's a bit the third, the yeah, third yeah. first round pick as um, as soon as the the draft, and then from that point on, they can attach three picks. And those Laker picks, I think, are potentially oh, yeah, yeah. Be very valuable. Oh, yeah. right? so, yeah. uh, like end of the decade Laker pick, like that. I mean, we, we, we'll see. Like New Orleans, New Orleans might get Victor Wembanyama, which would be insane. Uh, if they just add him to worst case scenario, honestly, to be like, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, honest for those top fives now, there's like Brandon Miller and like the the twins guys and the Scott Scoot Henderson. Like, no matter who, if they get yeah, Lakers, they get top end five up picks, those, they're, they're getting yeah. a really good play. Like, you know, potential all star to add to that core. So, like, you know, you're already seeing the the value in in you know, acquiring a Lakers pick. 
Um, and, and of course, you know, if they, if they get a star, then theoretically they, they should be better later in the decade. Maybe it's someone that, that can play with AD for a while, but you, you never know. And AD obviously has an injury history, so you don't know how long his prime is going to be. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was washed up entering this season uh, off the last couple of years. So uh, I, I think for, for the Lakers, like they're always star hunting for, for better yeah. or worse. Like that, that is just how the organization is. Uh, but I think for, for them, for them to give up those two picks, it, it's got to be something that's really worth it. Personally, I, I would have done the Indiana trade. I, I think this group with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald would have been a, a much better team. I think they probably would have a few more wins right now, and, and we'd be talking about them as at least a playing team. But um, you know, they, they didn't think it was worth it to give up those two picks, and uh, we'll, we'll see kind of if they're proven right. Because I, I think the the level AD's been at, you know, we'll, we'll see with the injury right now, but. I think he's been one of the best players in the league. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I think he, he it, it, had they made that deal, I think they'd be in a much better position right now. And I have enough final question for as far as this. Uh, is it because, again, like my point was, wouldn't anyone be interested in those guys, basically? Sure. And, and because it's the Lakers, it just gets reported more in that way of like, because we know that it, they can is that is that you do think that's kind of like what's not just like you you're you're an athletic like that's like a big well these like smaller blog you know blog posts is yeah. like hey like, people people want the clicks I, I think with the Lakers it's you know it's okay like Orlando wants you know Orlando's interested in Kevin Durant but like realistically Orlando isn't a situation I mean I don't know maybe they put Paolo on on the table but like <laughs> I mean, you, you got to think about like where the star wants to go. And, mo you know, if you just look at recent last five, seven, eight years, even more so, it's kind of been concentrated in yeah. uh, the, the bigger markets where every time a star becomes available, it's the same teams. It's it's the L.A. teams. It's the New York teams. It's Miami. And then maybe it's like a warm weather Phoenix or, or Dallas or, or something. But it's kind of always the, the, the same five or six teams that get reported that that's you know oh. jimmy butler and Kawhi leonard and lebron and ad and like the Kyrie, like they all had kind of the same you know three to six teams on their list and it's just that's kind of right now where when stars become available these are the franchises that want them so i think to, you know to your point on, on one hand you attach lakers to anything it's going to get more clicks it's going to get talked about on the other hand i think it's they're also one of the the few teams that i think has a legit chance to get some of these guys if they do become available so it's kind of like i think it, it on one hand it's kind of obvious that of course everyone wants a kevin durant a dame lillard like who doesn't but on the other hand i think it's also there's a little bit more substance to the lakers wanting those guys because they're one of the few teams that can actually i, I think be attractive to them yeah and, and get them <laughs> unfortunately for everyone else yes Damn it. Hey, it's it's Real Madrid. That's that's yeah, it, that, it is. That's I mean, it sucks, but it, it is. We actually, it's we also fun. Be, I mean, fun to have one. If we didn't, if we didn't have like the Lakers or some team like Real Madrid, you know, like you said, Real Madrid, it wouldn't be as fun. Also, to like hate, you know, like sport hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's worse in Europe. You have the Lakers. You probably have the Celtics. I don't know how attractive the Celtics are. I mean, outside of the basketball thing right now but yeah yeah you have those those uh, supermarkets jovan would you like to plug something or do you have some final thoughts before we finish up the show for today uh just at uh jovan buha on uh on all social platforms uh i've been very active on tiktok for those who are on tiktok um it hasn't been banned yet in the u.s we'll see if i get, if I get banned <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, and then ch just check out my work on the athletic. Um, you know, it is Lakers focused, but you, you can you can hate read it uh, and and <laughs> enjoy enjoy or read it after a loss, read it after a yeah. Lakers loss, and when I'm critical of the team. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, I appreciate you guys having me on. It, it, it's a great honor to to speak with uh, two Serbians and. Uh, two and a half Serbs. I, I, I love the, the show yeah, title for today. Yeah, awesome. And, it was great. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun to talk to you guys.
Yeah, I have to uh, to make a confession. I was listening to a lot of uh, Lakers podcasts this season because I really enjoy when they're not really good. So you know, <laughs> you just you just have to 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 involve yourself into the turmoil and just to. There's just nothing to like when the Lakers beautiful. are bad. It's so dramatic. It's so dramatic. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's very really juicy. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all for from us today. But before we go. Let me remind you to be on the lookout for us making an occasional DraftKings sportsbook lock of the game on Twitter. We want to help you earn a lot of money with our impeccable takes. Last week in that Wizards game, the over on AG's points and Bones points hit so easily. It was just embarrassing for our friends at DraftKings sportsbook. They were basically handing over free money. But I did let you down telling you, to bet on Nicolas over on the assists as he missed it by one. Never bet on Nicola being unselfish. I guess that's the lesson that we've learned. For all the true fanatics that stuck with us all the way to this sentence, thank you for being awesome and go Nuggets. Either one Nuggets. <laughs>